السلام عليكم وعليكم السلام ورحمه الله وبركاته الحمد لله شيخ عيد وانت ري الحمد لله هاي براذرز دون الحمد لله الحمد لله وي دوين جود ثانكس فور اسكينج ا لوت اوف بيبل ا دونت نو وي هاد ا بريفيوس ابيسودز وذ يو سو اي لينك ذيم اون ذا ديسكريبشن اف يو دونت نو هو شيخ عثمان ابن فاروق از وات ار يو دوين تشيك اوفر ذا وندرفول ورك ذات ون مسج فاونديشن از دوين اوفر اون يوتيوب ذاتس ثري ووردز ون مسج فاونديشن اور تايب ان او ام اف um but before we go into it i just want to say we will do a live q a with shaykh uthman ibn farooq so if you have questions you can ask it now but we're going to start addressing it around 30 minutes later so rami bro why don't you take over all right bismillah uh, you know every time a shaykh you know comes in the house especially shaykh uthman may allah bless you bro uh everyone's already like popping up with questions kind of lot so look for that inshallah uh, we all know that when there's like an ocean of knowledge in front of us we just want to take what we can uh, but my question first and foremost was Uh, firstly, I want to say alhamdulillah that the Sheikh is okay and everything. Uh, because recently there was something that I heard about uh, that you guys spoke about on OMF and everything. That for a while you couldn't for legal reasons and everything. But just a quick summary of what happened. Um, so alhamdulillah, uh, we, by the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we go out there and do our da'wah. We do our thing and it's been going on. And, you know, we have haters and, you know, it's, it's okay. That's the way the world works, right? Hmm. and uh, we had a situation uh before i even mention the situation i mean they we had we had threats before right like we had people put notes and uh whatever that uh, that that uh, what's that blob of a person what is that something plus whatever whatever it is uh that that thing was they encourage it right they they mock it like like if there's threats against non muslims oh suddenly there's like every muslim's guilty of it but when there are threats against muslims when we get you know you know people scratching cars or putting notes or whatever they they mock it because no those people don't really care about muslims they don't care about the life of a muslim or the protection of a muslim mm-hmm. um they're just there to hate on islam so they kind of encourage it so we had this kind of environment and and the da'wah started to grow alhamdulillah as it's been growing and and you get haters you get all this kind of stuff and we had a situation with a guy and this guy uh you know subhanallah uh we know who he is it's not it's not like somebody it's not like some guy just went nuts on the street and just was attacking people no it, it was targeted um and there was some background to it uh he the same person pulled out a knife on a uh, a child actually a young man at at the masjid uh at fajr salah and the next day that that night we had an event Uh, I wasn't there when the incident had happened but when I heard about it uh we wanted to be careful so we reached out to the police cuz you know usually we take care of our own stuff alhamdulillah but um but you know sometimes then brothers are like oh you need to take care make sure you use a sabab and all this stuff so uh there's a community liaison guy from the police he came out and that night was good the next day subhanallah um as i was uh, going to the park i started to think about this as like subhanallah i wonder if they try something here and i said khalas tawakkal allah and we were just giving da'wah and you can see the video we're just regular day of da'wah and then this guy comes and he starts to make threats uh, we we've released the the longer version which is i mean all the video that we have uh and we did like a commentary on it too it's on the OMF channel So he he took out a is like a metal baton looking thing and he started making threats and he was hitting. So I was giving da'wah to this subhanallah it's a really strange uh, 
a couple who were these hardcore Christians, but they believed that Jesus came back as a Korean man. <laughs> yeah, Korean Jesus. SubhanAllah. At least he can barbecue. I don't so um, anyway, <laughs> so he was, uh, while I was talking to them, you know, like, like it, they're kind of a strange thing, but we were making progress. Like I was trying to explain to them about the Bible and things. Then the, I hear this guy and he's cussing and he's using, like he's making fun of, uh, like he's making fun of Allah, he's making fun of Salah, uh, he's making fun of Muslims. Like it's, it's bothering me, but like I, I really want to focus on the da'wah. So I told some brothers, hey, go talk to him. Alhamdulillah, we got good brothers out there. So they went and they, they, they tried to talk to him calmly. And then he pulled out a knife uh, on uh, the brothers and he was, you know, swinging around. Now, the camera was on me at this time, but some brothers, they did get some uh, cell phone footage of it. Um, mm. Then it, it got to a point that even that couple was like, like, this guy's crazy. Like, you, they could hear him. I mean, obviously. So when, when they left, then like by that time, I'm Pashtun as it is, so like my my brain was just done so i i just rushed at him and subhanallah I was unarmed i mean none of us were carrying any weaponry or anything like that but i just rushed at him and he was like i'm gonna effing like he was saying the word obviously but i'm gonna mm-hmm. think hit you and i was like just hit me then like i was thinking subhanallah like if he's gonna attack the other muslims might as well just hit me first so i was like hit me then and i was like you're not gonna do anything and so I, so I rushed at him and the coward that these uh Islamophobes are he ran right he ran away and I ran at him and he ran away. When I started walking back, and this, if you see the video, I'm, I'm behind that, uh, the little arches because he was like hitting the metal bars and stuff, like, you know, trying to make noise. When I'm walking back, he takes out the knife. He starts to rush at me. So I hear, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I mean, I was raised in the hood, so my ears are always open, right? So, uh, you know, I hear these steps coming at me. So I turn right around and then I rush at him again. He's got a knife and he runs away. And this is an important lesson for the Muslim Ummah. Look, the Nusra of Allah is there. Like, yes, we use the means, alhamdulillah. But remember, Allah puts a ru'b. Allah puts a honor on a Muslim that when you stand with tawakkul, uh, even a stronger or a better equipped enemy will be afraid of you. Right? So I ran back at him and subhanAllah, he ran away again, like the coward that he is. And now when I'm walking back, he tries it one more time. And then one more time I turn around then he runs. And then khalas, I come back and uh, and he, he's still blabbing on. And then the, you know, subhanAllah, like when we're there, even if the debate gets a little loud from our side, the police is there right away. But this guy was like yelling and screaming and people like non-Muslims were telling him, go home. Like you can hear in the video and they were telling him, leave him alone. And But there was no security. I don't know what the police was that day. So mm-hmm. anyway, by the time we got back uh, after all of this, he was still going on. Finally, I see the uh, park security, which is one of the types of police we have there, him coming. And as soon as this guy sees that, he, he takes off, right? <laughs> so he takes off. And then we thought about like going, trying to catch him, whatever. But then we're like, we're trying to give da'wah. So we just went back to giving da'wah. Like we didn't like pack up and go home or something. We just went back to giving da'wah. Like, alhamdulillah, there's videos of us afterwards, after that giving da'wah. And then the regular police department came and and subhanallah they caught him you know that day they they you know uh, as the uh, some non-muslims had actually called it in and they had given a description so when he was uh, quite a like you know maybe i don't know three four hundred feet away they they saw the description they matched it they got him and they found the weapons on him he had the knife he had the metal baton um you know so they they got him and they brought him uh close to where we were so subhanallah like i didn't even call the police like i personally didn't even 
I was like, let's just go back to Dawa. But, you know, other people at the park, subhanAllah, had seen it. Um, and then, you know, we had to sit down with the police. We we had an interesting background. I mean, uh, obviously, we had known who he was because he had come to the masjid. He had made the threats and all that. Um, but they looked into his background, and there was some interesting stuff that came up that we didn't know about. And they were trying, the police, uh, I mean, the hate crime division had gotten involved, and they found that he had done a similar kind of an intimidation for another uh, group out there at the park before. And before that, he had some ties to some Christian groups um, mm. quite a few years back. Um, so that's originally they were telling us, like, you know, keep keep this a uh, little bit um, uh, on the hush so we can try to figure out if we can match any phone numbers to some people, some other people that had come out to the park, if you know what I mean. Um, some things were found, but not enough to really move forward with so uh but the person did get arrested he got a felony and uh, you know alhamdulillah we're still out there doing our thing so alhamdulillah alhamdulillah the reason i asked about this initially i know i'm aware that you made a video actually watching i think it was amazing mashallah so if you guys didn't see you want more in depth inshallah go check out the video on omf but when I watched it, I was amazed, subhanAllah, because there's almost this narrative, and I think everyone here can attest to it, that there's almost this narrative with the Muslims that we need to be passive. We need to be so peaceful that even though we're targeted people, we're a targeted minority in a lot of places, and people come at us, we need to kind of you know lay, lay down with our neck on the floor, ready kind of for the chopping block. And no. the question is, you're saying no already, mashallah. Uh, that no, was that, that's... that's... I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel what you're saying, and I hear it nowadays. I don't know what book these Muslim imams are reading, but yeah. that's not the Quran. That's not the Hadith. That's not the way of the Salaf. That's not the way of Rasulullah Sallallahu mm, Alaihi Wasallam. We're not turning any of their cheeks. Uh, that, that just is just not good. If we had become scared, if we had, you know, backed down, not only would this person would have done more, but I guarantee you more people like him would have taken initiative, right? Look, mm. nowadays, and I'm going to be a little, I don't know, okay. <laughs> we see videos, right, of, of, of our sisters and others being harassed and all this. And people are like so proud of this. Oh, this is, we're the men. Uh, no, mm. when people think they can bully you, like, I don't know, y'all went to high school, right? Mm. When people think they can bully you and all you're going to do is cry about it they're going to bully you more. Mm -hmm. But the first bully that gets a black eye, nobody's going to bully you after that. Hmm. About the, um, there, if everyone's you know aware about the issue in India, then I won't spend too long talking about it. But they're trying to ban the hijab. They stopped young Muslim women go from going to school because of the hijab and all of that. When the video of that Muslim sister, may Allah bless her, you know, standing up against those, I guess, Hindu nationalists and everything, uh, and fighting basically for her, like hijab and kind of going at literally like dozens of men yelling at them and stuff. One guy DM. Like, um, I, I, I don't want to get too much in that particular situation. We can discuss that at a different yeah. time. But, but, but I mean, in general, hmm. I see videos of Muslim women, whether it's in France, whether it's hmm. in whatever, uh, being harassed and some of them mashallah may allah bless them i mean they're brave they're strong um may allah bless our sisters and protect them but where are the men mm -hmm. uh, oh no when you look at and uh, the question which i'll answer as well 
Hmm. When we look at uh, the Meccan period, for example, and how the Sahaba were attacked, right? When when you had people like Umar ibn Khattab, when you had Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, you think they got punked by the people of Mecca? No, they hmm. stood. They, hmm. they, they stood up for what they are. You think Rasulullah was just putting his head down? No, they stood. There were people like Yasir Radiyanhu that didn't have the ability, that became shuhada. And even they, they did it with braveness. They didn't go and beg the Quraysh, right? When we have a, a Muslim ummah that is 1.8 billion strong, 2 billion according to some estimates, right? When you have a Muslim ummah that has so many resources, we can't be hiding behind the Meccan period. We need to stand. Mm. Uh, look, I'm here in San Diego. I'm raised in San Diego. I'm from San Diego, right? When I was in middle school, when I was in high school, when I was, you know, younger and all that kind of stuff, right? And and somebody uh, looked at me wrong, right? And I, I remember those days. I'd be like, what are you looking at? <laughs> what? You know, I, I mean, yeah. I was never a punk to begin with, right? I used to dress, I mean, may Allah forgive us for the past. I used to dress with like, Dickies and Pendleton's and all that. And if somebody asked you what, what you're wearing, why you wearing, be like, what? You're talking to me, right? I didn't take it back then. You think I'm going to take it as a Muslim? Never. Wallahi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us izza. Allah gives us nusra. Allah protects us. And Allah sees everything. Every mm-hmm. hardship that people go through, Allah knows about it. Sometimes it's good for you. Sometimes it's a tarbiyah for you. Sometimes it's an ajr for you. Sometimes it's a tazkiyah for you. Sometimes it's to raise your ranks, all of that. But don't think that Allah doesn't see you, right? So if somebody's going to step to us, I don't care who it is, right? And, and this is not the first time this kind of thing has happened. You can see the other guy who was trying to get in my face and all that, right? Look, we're polite. We're Muslims. We have good manners. We're patient. We're giving da'wah. We're trying to benefit people. We, we live within the laws, all that kind of stuff. Mm. But... We are not ones to be messed with, and and let the world know that, right? So that so that the next bully, the next guy who thinks, will think twice, right? Mm. Uh, Subhanallah. Even if you look at uh, any how Umar radiyallahu and his uh, time in Mecca was, and how when how his Islam, and I mean there are some weak narrations, some strong. You can look. Uh, we have a series on the Majdribad channel that goes over his life, so you can see about that. But he always lived with Izzah. And he was honor. Rasulullah, Abu Bakr, he was very strong. People think of Abu Bakr as being like a skinny man or something, but his his personality, that's why I called him Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr is a strong uh, young camel. Right? So his personality was very strong. That's the Sahaba. They, they live with strength. Bilal Radiyanu and others that were that were forced yani, in, in a torture situation where they had no ability. Yes, I we understand their, their patience, but it's not like they, they, they gave in to that. Right? It's not like they just went and, and begged uh, Umayyah or somebody uh, or Oli. They were like, oh, please help us. No. Hmm. Uh, I mean, this is this is where Muslims today have just uh, fallen for this victim uh, narrative. Like, you know, they, they, they love the tears of sympathy and all that. And, and look, we appreciate all the non-Muslims that stood with us. And uh, we appreciate all of that. But uh, we, we're men. <laughs> we're going to stand for the haq. And, and uh, otherwise... I don't know what are the beards and all that do for you if you, if you don't if you don't stand like a man. It's mm-hmm. just show then, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fake yeah. main. Yeah. SubhanAllah. May Allah grant us, you know, two true strong men and make us true strong men. Allahumma. I mean, I mean the reason I brought up, I won't talk about the situation, but I got a DM kind of response to all of that. And 
one brother he was really he had this narrative of like what she was doing was haram and i'm like what bro you're focused on the wrong thing here you're mad about a sister standing up and being strong like where where's your father where's your brother where are the muslim men you know in the, in the area where are the muslim men around the world and um, wallah it really shocked me that he kind of had that that thought that thinking process and if you look at the meccan period like yes they they had a, like a tribal society to begin with so a lot of the muslims a lot of the people they were already protected by their tribe so they didn't have this hierarchical kind of structure we have today where there's a government police and all that they had tribes so the muslims in a way they were protected and that's why they couldn't just completely exterminate the muslims they tried but why are we yeah. focusing on the meccan stage what happened when allah spent to revealed the ayah saying to go kill the the, the you know combatant disbelievers mm. they went and they fought and they won alhamdulillah so why are we focusing on uh, you know the first few years yeah, but even in Mecca, you look at Umar Radiyanhu, you look at Hamza Radiyanhu, they were, they, were, they were strong. You look at Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and you look at others when, when they stood, they give da'wah. They didn't, they didn't just cower and change their names and try to hide their identity. Uh, you know, we have people today, and, and I'll tell you something funny. Um, this is an uh, interesting outcome of a lot of this stuff, right? Um, we have, and I can't tell you too much, but I mean, uh, I'll tell you where you get the gist, right? There's a 15 mm. year old and this person was, uh, or is in a hardcore Christian conservative David Wood following kind of family. Mm. And subhanAllah, when the first time, uh, uh, hammer time came out, they, they watched the video, the whole family, like they were on a big screen, all of this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And when they when they saw what happened, I mean, they were mentioning themselves. The father got so upset, threw his beer cans at the TV, which a great father there sitting there drinking beer. Right? So um, got upset, right? Mm-hmm. And then they were like, "Well, I started watching all your videos after that one, after the after after the other." And then they contacted OMF. They emailed us, and they were like, "Hey, I want to become Muslim, but you know, uh, my school's a Christian school. My family's like this." And Subhanallah, they accepted Islam. And uh, took the shahada, still in secret, right? Fifteen-year-old living in a household, uh, yani with that kind of environment, it's mm. difficult, uh, especially females and stuff. It's not easy for them to then just be like, okay, I'm gonna wear hijab and all that. And that's understandable. Like that's an understandable situation. There are about 150 to 200 million Muslims in India, depending on estimates that you take, right? Roughly mm. about half of those are men. Um, India was ruled by Muslims for a good amount of their history. Um, you know, many of their uh, Hollywood-style uh, Bollywood actors are supposedly by name Muslim. Mm. There are Muslim Congress people there, whatever senators. Well, I don't know what they have. They're parliamentarians. They have all this stuff, and, and, and these poor sisters are left there defending themselves. And then all these guys want to talk about, you know this and that like look where's your primary responsibility here protecting mm. your family protecting your honor protecting your allah mustaan may allah protect us i mean i mean i mean i feel like a lot of men they they blur the lines between rights and responsibilities because they lack knowledge so simply put how would you summarize the main roles and responsibilities that men have as fathers brothers husbands in general uh, that's a deep subject, you know, I'm, I'm going to summarize it, but mm-hmm. no doubt, first and foremost, um, to be leaders, right? To be those that 
guide the family, to be those who give tarbiyah, to give the upbringing to the family. Uh, and everybody's going to have shortcomings. We don't expect every man to be perfect. We don't expect every woman to be perfect. But men have this responsibility that they, they set the, the rights and lefts. They say, okay, this is uh, this is our limit. We're not going to pass this limit. You know, this is our limit on the other side. No, no. Giving that tarbiyah, uh, explaining, teaching, um, being uh, supportive, being uh, you know, being responsible, right? Leadership is not about just being power hungry. Leadership's about responsibility. Meaning, um, you know, they say the captain goes down with the ship, right? Mm. What what is the meaning of that statement in America or in English? Is, is that that captain is going to be responsible for the safety of everybody else? So he makes sure everybody, if the ship is sinking, he's making sure that everybody gets off safe, right? Uh, we say the buck stops here, you know, in English. Uh, you know, meaning the responsibility stops there. Mm -hmm. If you have a leader of a organization and the organization doesn't do well, he can't just come on TV and be like, it was the, it was the worker guys. They were not doing well. You know, no. Then in the end, he has to, he takes the cut. He takes, he resigns, you know, like police departments. If something happens and you see the chief will go and be like, I'm going to take it. It's not that the police chief did it, but he's responsible, right? So a Muslim man should be responsible for the household, right? So now, if you, if your wife is having to go out there and and work and 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 you know struggle because you're sitting around the house doing nothing, mm. you are not fulfilling your responsibility. Don't mm. come home and be like, yo, you know, I just came back from the coffee shop and now go cook me something and clean this and do that. Look, look, you you are not doing your job, right? But when you're a man, when you are when you are like, I'm gonna bring the risk by the will of Allah. I'm gonna go out there to the best of my I'm gonna work. I'm gonna try. Now, sometimes, and even in situations like that, the woman may have to work because the world, the way the world works, I understand. But it should only be in a necessity. A woman shouldn't have to go out, right? A man mm. should be there to 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 lead that household. And when that man is is there, one of the core responsibilities that he has, to the best of his ability, like I said, um, is to be a protector, right? people don't understand the depth of this meaning you are the caretakers right so why are muslim women not allowed to travel more than a you know a certain distance without a mahram why is it that these things why because a man and this is something i mean i know like people don't want to talk about this and i'm sorry guys you know i i can't not be real so that's just the way i am right mm -hmm. uh, i know people don't want to talk about this but but this is psychology this is reality this is fitra this is the way insan is if you have a woman and and i don't care if she's like mashallah six five and you know just straight cut ufc fighting style right but she walks down the street alone you will see predators just eyeing her right and that's wrong it shouldn't be that way but it is just the world we live in it's reality right mm -hmm. she could have like a 10 year old or a 12 year old or a 14 year old Let's say let's say a, a, a 15-year-old skinny boy with her, and psychologically they'll just be like, Oh, somebody's with her, all right, let's wait. You know, and, and mm. this is a strained psychology, but that's how people work, right? So, mm. you know, if you if you see all these and this is reality, and people want to brush it under the carpet or whatever, but go look up the stats. You see women whose cars break down, um, you know, on interstates where there's nobody around. And many of them, yani, uh, may Allah protect uh, all uh, our sisters, but many of them are raped, many of them are harmed, many of them are, uh, you know, taken advantage of by horrible 
excuses for human beings, these rapists mm. and stuff, right? Mm. But if you look at those studies, even if they have like a little kid, like a male boy next with them, you'll see those stats statistically. Go look it up, right? So this means men have that responsibility too to make sure our, our women are, are, you know, who are our valued uh, members of our families are safe, right? On top of that, making sure that there is an Islamic environment. You know, Dawood is uh, one of the types of people that Allah will not look at on the Day of Judgment. Somebody who doesn't have ghira for mm. their women, who's not worried about their hijab, who's not worried about their uh, yani, uh, sticking to the rules and regulations that Allah has portrayed. But many men, unfortunately, they are such bad examples themselves, right? Mm. That how can they say to a woman, oh, you need to make sure you're wearing hijab and this and that when they're out there hitting the club themselves, when they're out there drinking, when they're doing mm -hmm. things that they know they're haram. So the last thing I want to say about this is also set a good Islamic example for mm -hmm. your wife, for your kids. This is from the responsibilities of the husband. Alhamdulillah. So to recap, leader, provisioner, sustainer, protector, uh clock having good example leading by example these are all wonderful things um my next question before i pass it on to anhel um and it'll be my last one for now is uh if you had the balance you know between technique in terms of self-defense um and let's say this was your son or this was your cousin or or a man that's you know you're gonna get me in you. trouble today man yeah so so if if they want to know you know uh, technique or more of just having that inner that willpower that inner wolf inside you how do you blur the line between the two because it, it does get blurry right so what do you pr prioritize so I, I would say it's not an either or I think those have to work hand in hand mm. right you could have rage and willpower but if you don't know how to box if you don't know how to take a punch if you don't know how to block a punch if you don't know how to throw a kick or all that kind of stuff you might have a lot of like zeal but then the somebody who's a trained fighter will just use that against you right like mm -hmm. when i was in high school if i saw somebody just trying to come at me like straight like that first thing i would do is just get out the way and kick them or something just let them fall right and then once on the ground it's over after that right uh unless you're really good at jujitsu maybe i don't know but um <laughs> right so but in high school if you went to the floor and i was still standing eh, that fight's over man you're gonna be like i never i told you guys you're gonna be in trouble today man all right so uh <laughs> so that, that's the first thing. I, I think it should be a balance, right? Like, I think you should have ghira. I think you should have that manlyhood, that honor that a Muslim should have, that the Sahaba had, that Rasulullah had. Um, and at the same time, I think everybody should learn some uh, level of martial arts because hmm. I, first thing, I mean, I'm just going to try to get myself not so much in trouble. Um, just to stay in shape. Right. Like, you know, get some cardio with it. Mm. Right. So, you know, you just want to be healthy. Right. That's that's <laughs> good. Um, right. But to be. Uh, um, I, I'm, I'm a long term practitioner of the Pashtun martial arts. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No. Could you uh, elaborate on that? It's called Ching Ching Pao. OK. Never. You guys never heard Ching Ching Pao? Never. Oh. Uh, ching Ching. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was about to say, like, oh, this, this sounds like a little something, something slick that you're about to throw out here. I got you. I, got you. I was like, bro, All right, so, uh, next question. All right. Ana, bro, go in. 
はい。シェイ。かわいいよ、ハビビ。アハムデルラ、スクトゥビアンディガーズ。アハムデルラ、アハムデルラ、スクダービー。そのクエスチョンは、ハフィユメン、ワディユティンクデモス、ワイケンセオ、クズノオルモスメン、ボモスオルモスメン、ハビコン、ジソソフト。All right, so more getting myself in trouble.、Um, I, I think, first thing, I don't think it's, it's exclusive to Muslim men. I think men in general have become、um, not just soft, but pathetic, you know.、Mm-hmm. And, and I think it, it's not a coincidence. I, I, I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, theory guy but I'm going to throw this out, right?、Um, if you look at、uh, role models for men, In the 40s, 50s, I don't know, back in those days, you had like cowboys, John Wayne, or whatever, whatever those actors may be like, whatever at home. But the, the, what they portrayed were these strong, you know, if you look at the Leave It to Beaver show kind of things, the father was intelligent, he was、mm. strong, he was supportive, he, was, he stood up. You had,、um, uh, you know, you had all these kinds of.、Uh, Good qualities, you could say, being presented in the father. And then you had a time where Hollywood made fathers into morons, into weaklings, into.、Um... <laughs> yeah, you say that, Sadeh, but man, I'm telling you. <laughs> All right. So, I, I mean, as much as I'd even want to control myself, I'm just not that guy. So, we're, we're going we're gonna to hear it anyway.、Um, You had the likes of,、uh, I don't know if you, you guys are young, mashallah, but there was that show called Married with Children. You had this guy, Bundy, Ted Bundy, you know, something Bundy, I don't know.、Mm. Um, and he was, he, was, he was a moron. He was a fool. He, was,、uh, he, he had no lira. He didn't care about any of that stuff. He was,、mm. he was always wrong, you know. And you had、uh, Simpsons. You had Homer. Homer was an idiot, and Marge was always right. And you had,、uh, after, and, and I, I kind of I stopped. Most of that TV stuff by the later time, but you had like the family guy and American dad, and all these really pathetic, bad examples being put forward. So, Al Bundy, yeah, exactly. Ted Bundy's a serial killer, never mind.、So. <laughs> um, whatever, it's Bundy's, yeah.、Um, right? So, you had, I think, there was a, a effort to try to. Uh, demasculine men, right?、Mm. Um, and, 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 and again, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but, but, but put it to the test. Look at the Hollywood slash TV、uh, male figures back in the 40s and 50s and 30s or whatever and、mm. going forward. And then you'll see, like, I don't know, I don't know, I mean, I don't know what year exactly you can make that change, but you will see a change where、mm. they all started being very weak, right? Um, fools and irresponsible, right? And, and that stuff is programming your brains, right?、Um, mm. on, top of that, on top of that, you had, you had some movements that,、uh, and they might have been movements that were originally、uh, people with sincere intent. I, mean, I don't know, right? But you had the feminist movements and all these kinds of things.、Mm. But, but it, it ended up harming. Those that they were trying to protect, right?、Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you see the Me Too movement. And, and again, I'm all about 
protecting women and, and believing women and I'm against this whole uh, you know what, what goes on in Hollywood but again the way they went about it ended up harming women and you can see the, the studies that have been done where now male bosses are uncomfortable even you know promoting females because they're afraid that if she gets into that situation there something might be taken the wrong way and and so, so it ended up just harming women further instead of saying hey maybe we shouldn't have khalwa we shouldn't have men and women being alone maybe we shouldn't have where movie directors are picking 14 year olds and trying to get them into careers and all this stuff that with hijab mm-hmm. and islam those things would be protected to begin with instead of going about it the right way you go about it the wrong way so feminists many of them they did the same thing instead of saying hey women should be dignified and honored and so on as islam says and men should be responsible and caring and instead of that it was just like men and women are the same right and okay well to be honest i mean equal as equally responsible in front of allah mm-hmm. yes equally important for humanity yes in many ways uh, the mother is more important she's given a greater status uh, in islam um so everybody has its own but not the same uh, we're not the same it's just i'm sorry biologically psychologically you can go uh, any whether you want to look at a religious text or you just want to look at uh, nature we're not the mm. same and until we realize that and 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 understand that and know what is the natural role of a man and that of a woman and how to properly work together for a beneficial society, uh, it's not going to work, right? So I think a lot of that changed the mindset of men and Muslim men, unfortunately, were a victim to that. Um, Having said that, another aspect that affected Muslim men is the fact that um, after 9-11 and stuff, the whole community was just very apologetic and pathetic and mm. instead of being like you know what man that, that had nothing like i condemn it whatever mm-hmm. uh, you know but it got nothing to do with me like you know when 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 january was it january 6th when they attacked the capital you know right what was it january 3rd 6th whatever mm-hmm. um when you know when those uh trump guys stormed the white house or whatever mm-hmm. and killed police officers and all that right i didn't go to my white neighbors and be like hey so, what do you guys have to apologize about today? You know, no, they had Trump flags or whatever. They didn't come and say, hey, we're sorry for that January 6th. Yeah, right? No, they were like, well, we weren't there. So, what's that got to do with us, right? So, I had nothing to do with 9-11. So, why should I apologize, right? Mm-hmm. I condemn all terrorism, all, whether by Muslims or non-Muslims. If you kill innocent people, that's against Islam. And we as Muslims condemn that. But we don't need to apologize for anybody else, right? Um, and 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 that that atmosphere kind of covered the Muslim community, not just in America, but even abroad. And I think that also, I mean, everybody's just afraid. Mm. The last thing I'll say is the lack of taqwa. I mean, I know like that might not connect in people's minds right away, but that's a part of it, right? When you fear mm. Allah, and you love Allah, and you know Allah sees you, and you're afraid of the disobedience of Allah, and taqwa is a very deep term, then you don't care what people say, you do what Allah orders, and what the Prophet showed, right? But when you don't, then you're just trying to get be liked by people, you're worried about people liking you, and in trying to get people to like you, you give up your responsibilities, right? Mm. If I, today, um, 
gave up the beard and gave up uh, saying what I say, uh, I would get many more opportunities hmm. by mainstream Muslim organizations to become known, right? But I'm never going to do that because what's the point? I, hmm. I, and I ask Allah for istiqama that if I stay on the Quran and on the Sunnah and Allah is pleased with me, I would be more than happy dying alone with nobody knowing my name. Alhamdulillah. No? When the Muslims stand on that, then you will see a lot of these problems corrected. Mm. Alhamdulillah. It's mm. long answer. Sorry. No, no, it was a good answer. And to that, I want to add on uh, first a question. Uh, Mu'minin, that's a believer, right? Yeah. Mu'min. So, Mu'min? Yeah. So Mu'minin is the plural. But... Yeah. So Mu'min is, is one. Mu'minun or Mu'minin, depending on the Arabic uh, structure, would be many believers. But yeah, but yeah you're right. Mm. It's a believer. Okay, okay. So do you think that these men who are soft because of the environment, because of everything that's going on, and they're soft because they like the taqwa and everything, um, do you think that's... Uh, I, don't want to say uh, an issue with Akira because I'm sure you know they still have the proper beliefs and all that, but it, it's more so like you have the true believer who you know they they truly understand that this life is just temporary and it's is nothing, you know it's, it really is nothing, and that you know all sustenance comes from Allah, everything comes from Allah, uh, health, everything, everything comes from Allah, so. If they are presented with something, they are willing to give it all up for the sake of Allah, right? Like that would be a true believer, would it not be? Yeah. So then it raises the question as like, okay, these men who they're presented with something, right? Allah presents them with this um, this test, if you will, mm-hmm. like, and they back down because psychologically, whatever it is, they mentally they got something going on. So would it then be that this person is not really a believer because they are not having that full submission? You know, uh, I try to leave that kind of a judgment to Allah, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. All I can say is that they are lacking in fulfilling their responsibilities, Mm -hmm. right? Who is a mu'min? Who is a munafiq, who is a Muslim, who is Muhsin, who is at what level? I'll leave that to because Allah knows the hearts, right? I don't know the hearts. But as a Muslim, we are responsible for fulfilling responsibilities and judging whether they're being done, right? Some people say, oh, only Allah can judge you. Only Allah can judge your hearts. Only Allah can judge your intention. Only Allah knows what's, what your true intent was. But there is judgment in dunya. That's why we have judges. That's why we have Islamic courts. That's why we have ulema. Right? We give hukam, right? I will say that that any man who is doesn't have the ghira to protect their family and to stand up and be uh, the best role model they can, and again, everybody will have shortcomings, but to the best of their ability, is, is lacking in fulfilling the rights that are due upon him, right? Whether he's a mu'min or not, we'll leave that to Allah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Oh. Y'all have any other questions? Man, Allah barak fee, bro. That was a really good question. I was gonna I was gonna ask that myself. 
because it's very hard to Mashallah. discern. But at the end of the day, Shaykh is right. It's, it's up to Allah. It's not up to us, but we can advise, we can lead by example. That's all we can do. I do have one last question before we start doing the live Q&A, inshallah. Uh, and I want to say anyone that made it this far, if you did spam the live chat, right? I know who you guys are. I can see I can see all the names and stuff too. Uh, kind request, just do an order of importance, right? We're going to try to give everyone a minimum of one uh, question that we'll answer. Uh, Sheikh will answer. And if we have more time then you can answer more but if you like if you give like a lot of questions i'm just gonna pick one randomly out of it inshallah and uh jeff you ready i'll ask my question then. i'm ready inshallah bismillah okay so my last question before we do the q a is let's say you have a son right and you I notice do. that you're trying to make you know, you're trying to make progress with them, right? You know, we're not going to make this personal, you know, nothing, just in a general, hypothetical. Right? So your son, you're trying to go at him, you're trying to do everything you can. Um, maybe you're even homeschooling him. But subhanAllah, the culture that we're living I in. I am. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, subhanAllah, maybe you're even homeschooling. And the culture that we live in, bro, it just, it just, it's almost like whatever work you do, society just kind of, you know, reverts that in a way, Counter regresses that in a way. And you're at a point where it's like you're trying to guide them you're trying to do your best for your son but it's just not happening and you're kind of in a fork in the road now and this is there your son you can't you're gonna be questioned by Allah if you give up on your son so how would you tackle this this situation that's a great question and I have two sons may Allah protect them I have two daughters may Allah protect them you can never give up on family hmm. uh, I mean that's your family that's your kids that's your that's your DNA, that's your blood, that's your responsibility, that you, you to any male can um, impregnate a woman, but only a, a man can father a child, right? So part of that is you, you don't give up. Right? There, there is no like, ah, I tried, let it go. No, you also can't guide anybody. Guidance is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, your responsibility is to set a good example to the best of your ability. And again, Every one of us, myself, before anybody else, has shortcomings. Um, mm. But to set a good example, to teach them Islam, to encourage them towards their salah and siyam, and very important to relate to them. Like I joke with my kids, and sometimes people tell me, like, "Oh, don't, don't be so, you know, friendly with your kids." But my kids are, I mean, alhamdulillah, we're we're friends in a way. I mean, I'm not trying to be their friend. You know, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I want to be cool. No, I'm, I'm already cool, so I don't need to try. But, um, <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, they can talk to me, right? Like, you know, like, yes, alhamdulillah, I have my own responsibilities. But, you know, if they're going through something. I've always made it that they can talk to me. I always take their opinions and things. But sometimes I have to make decisions they're not going to like. But I have to do that as a father. That's my job. Um, and I'm not going to care whether they like me or not because that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. Um, so when you have that relationship, when you have that communication, when you have conveyed the importance of what it means to be a Muslim and the akhirah and judgment and standing in front of Allah and the, the hereafter and all of that, then... You make du'a for them. You ask Allah to guide them. You do your best. If they are old enough that they are not going to listen to you, what can you do, right? But mm -hmm. I would never, I would never say give up on them, because you mm -hmm. don't know. I mean, I know brothers that 
were really just good kids and they went through like a bad phase and 10 years they were out hmm. and then they came back to it. You know, they, they remembered what their father or their mother or their, you know, grandfather told them as a kid. And when life, life reminds you, you know, like sometimes we get this question, why is there suffering in the world? And, and there's many answers. There's a video coming up on the uh, one message foundation. We, we answer this question at the park, but, one of the aspects of it is it's a reminder, right? If you had no suffering, you would, almost all of us would just get lost in this dunya. We would just be lost in our desires. Well, everybody has different desires, but we mm -hmm. would just be lost. But when we have suffering, we realize, hey, this world wasn't meant forever. And many times that's a check. So sometimes a kid, you know, Allah protect all our children, but he might go to the wrong path. And then some suffering comes and that reminds them and they'll come back. And if you cut off relations, then where will they go to for guidance, right? Mm. So I would say you should always be there for them. If they want you to help them in haram, never help people in haram. If they're like, hey, buy dad, buy me a house on riba, or hey, buy alcohol for me, then obviously you, know, you, you cannot do that. But you should always be a resource for them as long as you're alive where if they want to turn back or if they want to learn or they have a question or they have a problem, they should be able to go to you as a parent and discuss it with you and you should be supportive of that. Alhamdulillah. I want to say this right now. I don't want anyone taking words out of my mouth, but it's kind of the way that we have a relationship with Allah. Like Allah's, Allah's never going to raise in rank because of us doing better and trying to True. please Allah. Uh, for Allah. And Allah's not going to go down if we do. You know, you get what I mean. So at the end of the day, Allah's always unchanged. But Allah always wants us to good. Allah doesn't need us to do good. Right? But Allah always wants the best for us. And uh, why, why should we not want the best for us ourselves, right? And Allah's always there, ready to forgive us, ready to guide us. All we have to do is ask, right? And at the end of the day, I feel like having that type of, you know, I don't mean this in, in a weird comparison to Allah or anything, but just having that trait, that attribute of just, I'm always there for you. I'm not going to, you know, bend over backwards to kind of guide you. But at the end of the day, like, I'm always here for you if you need it. Yeah. And it's, you know, I don't, I don't need you to do that. You should want to do that yourself. But I'm always ready to help you, you know. There is a hadith, uh, Man la yarham la yurham. And my children, when they were very young, like my sons maybe were like three or four years old, I had them memorize this hadith, um, which is whoever doesn't show mercy will not be shown mercy. So to mm. your point, you know, if you are not going to be merciful towards your children or if you're not going to be merciful towards the weak and so on, then your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be affected. Why would Allah then show you mercy? When Allah is always there for you, when you you can always make tawbah, uh, I like milk tea. <laughs> I usually don't read the comments, but I'm reading them today. So. Well, All right, go. I don't want to take too long. Get to the questions. Man. All right, Alhamdulillah. All right, so uh, first comment, Alhamdulillah. So Ben writes, I want to come to see you before Ramadan. You know what? That's not actually the question that I wanted to display. Let me That's okay. See, you know, uh, there, this one from Ben. So Ben writes, Chef, I reverted back to Islam on November 18th last year. I watched the video of yours called This Should Make You Cry. The bit when you said, who else was it made for? Shook me to my core, subhanAllah. Um, subhanAllah. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you and protect you, brother. Uh, you're welcome to see us anytime. I, mean, I would just make sure 
Uh, I do have some travel that's going to be coming up. We're going to be going up to Canada uh, for some Dawa stuff and I think Cleveland and somewhere else. I'm not sure. Is that. But I, I would just say, hey, check the channel. Uh, I, the brother who runs the Twitter account also usually posts uh, my travels and things to make sure you don't come out here. And I'm not here because I would feel very sad. Uh, but yeah, anytime you want to come, marhaban become you're more than welcome. Uh, having tattoos, don't worry about it. You know, um, you know, subhanAllah, uh, whatever happened before Islam, nobody should be worried about and nobody mm -hmm. should be judged for. And if anybody's going to judge you for that, then don't care what they think anyway. Um, mm -hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not hold you accountable for what you did before Islam. In fact, as we see in some of the ahadith, you will be like a newborn baby, you're fresh slate. Other ahadith even mention that your past sins will be turned into good deeds and so on. So, uh, you know, I mean, if, if you're uncomfortable, wear long sleeve shirts or whatever. Um, you know, I, I don't, I usually wear long sleeves. I don't, I don't like wearing t-shirts, but that's just personal. Uh, right. But even if you do, and if somebody, somebody says something, you know, just be, be, be polite and be like, yeah, brother, you know, I'm new in Islam. This was before Islam. Falas. And, uh, you know, whatever is past that, don't worry about people. Mm -hmm. um, may Allah reward you for your, your accepted Islam. That's amazing. Uh, regarding that video and other videos, you know, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us. Uh, sometimes myself, you know, you you, you make uh, any, I read an ayah or a hadith or I listen to a lecture and sometimes it just shakes me like myself, you know, just, you know, and then you, you, you look at uh, the fact that there is a jahannam and there is a fire and, and you know that, that, that this was made to be filled with people. And then, you know, you, you you become heedless. How? We don't have any guarantees. This is this is insane. This is not that that fake uh, salesman pitch of Christians where you're like, oh yeah, you're saved. Yeah, no matter whatever. Um, so it should never hamper us from being uh, productive, but it should always keep us on our toes. Meaning. We should always be making dua. We should always be asking Allah to make us steadfast. We should always be uh, begging Allah that you know we 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 don't slip. Um, being guided is a great bounty of Allah, but having steadfastness upon the guidance that that is uh, something you should mm. always be asking Allah for. So we ask Allah to protect us and keep us on the right path and uh, look forward to meeting our brother in person inshallah Allahumma ameen Chef you said you're coming to Yo. Canada right? Uh, I am but I'm not sure where it's, it's like a crazy trip it's like some um, it's like every day I'm going to be in a different city or something so bro you um, know you know me and Rami live in Canada right? <laughs> I'm going to come see you guys in a, in a, where we can just hang out one of these days man. inshallah let's make it up no, next question um, Wait, hold on, hold on. Before you, before you bring that question, and let me slide in with the uh, tattoos. Should one have haya, and should one cover up? You know, yes, Allah sure. forgives, but at the same time, like, uh, you know, tattooing in and of itself is a sin. If you know you're a Muslim and you get a tattoo, um, now yes, it was forgiven, but it's you know it's on us forever. I, I understand. And, and I think it's especially if the tattoo is something that like, you know, some brothers get uh, things that are obscene or some things that are foolish. Um, I, I think it's good to have haya and cover it. 
Um, I just don't want people to think they should be ashamed of something they did in the past. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it was what it was when a person didn't know better. So, halas, any, we don't judge them on that. But, you know, I, I don't think you should be flexing it either. Right. I don't think you should be going to the Muslim and be like, Allah, mm-hmm. check it out, man. What's that? <laughs> right. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, find that balance, you know. Okay. Yeah. Alhamdulillah. All right. So, is it okay for a girl to take photos wearing regular hijab, showing face only for her and other women to see? My mom gets angry when I don't take photos with her. So, please give Dalil, I can show her. Inshallah. Excellent. Um, first and foremost, um, um, may Allah protect you and may Allah increase you in your goodness and may Allah uh, make, increase your haya, your, your shyness. Because it's good to see the younger generation having more uh, a concern than some of the older generation. And we see it a lot, but it always makes me very happy. Um, secondly, uh, to take pictures, uh, regular hijab is kind of an interesting term. Uh, let me, and I understand what, what she meant, but let me, let me clarify a couple of things. Hijab is a concept of, of, of concealment, right? Meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has hijab from us. Hijaba in Lughal Arabi and the Arabic language would be when something is hidden, you cannot see, right? We take hijab to mean like the scarf and then we take niqab to be the front. But th- th- those terms are incorrect. Uh, the khimar is what sits on the head. The cloth that sits on the head in Arabic is called a khimar. It's not called a hijab. Um, so hijab would actually be when the woman is the most covered. When you're more covered, where everything you possibly can cover, like the height of Ibn Abbas, where an eye, and according to some of the ulama, then that meaning the two eyes would be seen for the path. Um, this would be a proper understanding of hijab, according to what Ibn Abbas said in the tafsir of Surah Ahzab. Um, but to take pictures with the face showing, um, depending on, and, and there is two opinions amongst the ulama of Islam, I personally take the opinion that the face is. Uh, obligated to cover, but I don't force it on others because we respect the khilaf of ulama. But even the ones that take that the face is not obligated to be covered uh, would take that to post pictures today is, is not permissible. And I'll tell you why. Because I know how social media works and I know how the internet works and I'm sure many of you do too. There's nothing private on the internet. This is, this is a fallacy. You know, when you post a picture, um, I don't care if it's on WhatsApp. I don't care if it's on some secure server. I don't care. Um, let's say I post a picture um, of, uh, and I'm going to leave the sisters. I'm going to say me. Like, let's say me in uh, shorts that only cover my aura, only from my navel to my knee, right? Obviously, uh, my aura is covered, but I wouldn't want that picture going out. And I say, hey, brothers, uh, you guys are my friends. So I'm going to post it, but I don't want anybody else looking at it. But here. I'm going to post it for you guys. Now, if one of those brothers is sitting there looking at that on his laptop and his wife or his sister or his daughter is sitting there, what prevents them from seeing it, right? If he downloads it, if he saves it on his, right? This is the first thing. So now now put the other situation. Right? Let's say a woman posts that picture and a sister is looking at it and her brother or her father or her son or her cousin or somebody like that, what prevents them from seeing it, right? Secondly, uh, if you understand how the internet works, there is nothing private. Facebook, WhatsApp, they have rights to all that that you put on there. Read those little you know, things you sign when you, when you, when you just scroll down and hit accept. Um, 
those guys could be looking at these pictures, right? They could publish mm. these pictures. There have been uh, stories in the media that that people put things on certain social media platforms that were then seen in commercials, and they were like, "What is that?" And then they found that they, un, you know, without thinking, they checked something saying that you know it's okay to use without even realizing, and then they see their face or their bikini clay private picture being used somewhere because th- that that was sold by the company. So mm. having said all that, you know, don't do it. Like, why? Like, what's the big deal? Like, you know, uh, talk to your mother. Tell her, look, uh, Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. He told us that that the the best is a woman to be covered. That every time she goes out, there is a shaitan that calls people towards her. So now, you see, a a woman may not even be going out, but if you're posting pictures, shaitan is going to be tempting people, right? Uh, mm. If you if you look at the uh, Adilla, I mean, I could give, I could write a book on this, but I'm just going to give you a couple. Aisha Radhyanha was lost. I mean, she was lost out in the desert. She was at a point where she could have died. She was left behind. And when she saw a man come, she covered her face. And he, subhanAllah, uh, I mean, when there is no man around, then yes, the first uncovered, you know, there's no issue. But even then, when she saw anybody come close, she covered her face. This is the time when she was left behind the caravan and so on, right? If you look at the another hadith of Aisha radiyanha, that when she was in Hajj in, in Ihram with Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam with Hajj Umrah Baidr, she was in Ihram with the Prophet والسلام, and she said, you know, we would just be with the family with, the, with those that are mahram, but when we saw the non-mahram riders come close, we would cover our faces. Even in Ihram, in Ihram, you cannot wear like a fixed niqab, but with mm-hmm. the khimar, they would cover their faces. They didn't want a non. They were so careful, right? So why would we take that chance? So we would suggest to our sisters not to post pictures, even if you're wearing the khimar. Uh, mm. the, 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 I mean, uh, this one last thing I'm going to... According to the majority of the madhahib, uh, right? What can a man see of a woman to see if he wants to marry her? Right? Like if a man comes to propose, you can't see the woman in you know shorts and a t-shirt. Uh, no madhahib allows that. Um, the majority of the madhahib say the face and hands, right? So that means that is what is looked at for beauty and attraction to say, hey, I can marry this person, I'm good, right? So if you're posting that already, then if somebody is interested and like serious about marriage, what are they going to look at, right? I mean, you're showing that to the whole world then, right? Um, uh, and like I said, the internet is not private. Don't expect this. So may Allah protect us. Sam, you don't like I mean, my background or what, man? I mean, I mean, I mean. All right. Uh, we got a few more questions. So I'm just going to try to blast through it. Uh, next question. Let's see. Uh, okay. Brother Shoaib asks, how do you prove the linguistic miracle from the earliest manuscripts of the Quran? When these manuscripts did not exist, how did anyone compare the Quranic language with that of the Arab poets? Interesting question. Um, I'm not sure where you got the point that these manuscripts didn't exist. Uh, we actually have a video on the One Message Foundation channel. It's called The Preservation of the Quran. Uh, it's really long. It's like an hour or 50 minutes or something. But I highly recommend every da'i watches it to understand about manuscripts, their historic dating, their carbon dating, and all of that. 
Um, having said that, even if you were to leave the manuscripts out of it, the linguistics miracle of the Quran would not be doubted because the Quran was not revealed as a book falling from the sky. It was Qara, Quran recited. Mm -hmm. So Sahaba memorized it and they recited it. The manuscripts are based on that recitation. So mm -hmm. we do have the earliest manuscripts. They've been carbon dated by non-Muslim scientists. And we can prove that no problem. But even without them, the linguistic miracle of the Quran would stand because it was memorized orally with the oral tradition. And we have chains from teachers from our time all the way to the Prophet ﷺ that can prove we memorize it letter by letter, word by word, with each teacher crediting their student. Alhamdulillah. We have right. thousands, if not millions of those, by the way. Alhamdulillah. I mean, as when expiating for breaking a promise made to Allah, do you have to fast for three consecutive days or just three days in total? Does fasting during the month of Ramadan count? Regarding whether the days have to be consecutive or not, there is a difference of opinions amongst the scholars of Islam. Uh, best thing to try to do is consecutive. But if you're unable to, what I take is that you can uh, give room between them. Um, and by the way, that's not the first thing you should do. There is feeding. There is, there is, a, there is a, I mean, obviously freeing slaves is not going to be a very easy option today. Uh, but yeah, those are all, you have to look at the order that you're looking at. But anyway, um, regarding uh, Ramadan, you cannot put a fard fast with a fard fast, meaning if you uh, did uh, another or if you broke a, a promise, then you have an obligatory fast. And Ramadan is obligatory, so you cannot count the days of Ramadan towards that. Um, you cannot combine the niyyah for the six days of Shawwal with Ramadan because that is in addition to the days of Ramadan. What mm. you could do is to fast on Mondays and Thursdays and combine the niyyah of fasting on Mondays and Thursdays and combine that with uh, the uh, obligatory makeup fasting. Alhamdulillah. All right, next question. And guys, smash that like button if you want more videos with Sheikh Uthman Ibn Farooq in the future. And check out the description box. Go over to One Message Now, if you guys don't like it, I'm going to be offended. So That's it, bro. You go to One Message Foundation, hit subscribe, support their work, inshallah. All right, Nabil writes, is it permissible to wear a sports jersey with the name of an athlete on it like Kobe or LeBron? It's a good question. Um, and I've received this question before. I know it's very easy for some brothers to act hardcore and just be like, no. Um, and, and somebody else just to try to get popular with people and say, yes. Uh, I, I try to always look at the evidences, right? The tahreem, the haram of it, is not having a name. Unless the name itself is something bad, like maybe it says, you know, uh, Damien, which means the devil, or Jesus, where, you know, it's a disrespect to the prophet Jesus or so on. Peace and blessings be upon him. So if the name is not like Kobe, I don't, know, I don't know what Kobe means, but I'm assuming it doesn't really have a bad meaning, right? Mm. So the name itself is not an issue. I mean, let's say uh, I, I go to a, you know, a used clothes place in Afghanistan, uh, you know, and I pick up a shirt, just looks nice. I throw it on and has, uh, I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to date myself here. Bo Jackson, right? Um, Right. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Like that. That's there's no there's no dalil for me say there's tahrim there, that there's haram. Where the issue comes in is to yani tashbih of kuffar. Like when you try to imitate kuffar, that's the first thing, right? Mm. When you're trying to play 
uh, a part of, of trying to be like somebody who's a kafir, uh, that's haram because Rasulullah told us, Man Whoever imitates a people, then he is from them. Mm-hmm. And this hadith is uh, it's a reliable hadith. There is discussion on the Sunnah, but no doubt that it is authentic. So that tells us that uh, to imitate kufar. So if you're doing it with an intention to imitate uh, a kafir, then they would not be permissible. But if you just like a sports team or you like the way the shirt looks and the meaning is not wrong, I don't see a problem with it. The other problem gets to be is gulu uh, in, 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 or exaggeration in um, kind of loving a, a kafir, right? Like we, we have good relationships. We respect uh, our uh, um, relationships as neighbors or you know co-workers and so on in the sense that Allah has ordained upon us to be good neighbors and honest co-workers and all of that. Uh, was Kobe really named after Japanese beef? I don't know if that's so right. Allah, bro. The first time um, I hear of that. Uh, if it is, then again, <laughs> I like beef as long as halal. So, uh, uh, so uh, you know, you know, in that sense, to show over exaggerated respect for a kafir is also not permissible, right? Mm. But if you just like the way the shirt looks, I mean, and you don't have any of those intentions, and the name in itself doesn't have a problem. I don't see a problem with it. Okay. Alhamdulillah. All right, JD Silver writes, brothers, can you ask the chef about the ruling on drop shipping? I've heard it isn't permissible, but I just wanted to clarify it, inshallah. What's drop shipping? So drop shipping is basically when you you take a product, right? And you you find uh, a cheap wholesaler like China, right? So let's say you wanna sell uh I don't know, just for the kofar. Uh, men's gold chains. I know we, we as Muslims, we don't do that, right? Automatically, okay. obviously, that would be haram. That's a bad example, but just for the sake of example. Let's say women's uh, gold chains. Go ahead. Women's gold chain. Perfect. And you find uh, in China, there's a company, they, they sell these for like, let's say, 10 cents USD, right? And Why China uh, got to be cheap, bro? China, yeah. And you start a company uh, literally called like, um, my name is Fayed, so Fayed Jewelry or something, right? So you make it premium, you make it sound nice. You're not making it known that this is where you're getting it from. You add that nice packaging and all That's that fine. or whatever you do. But basically, you get that company to to basically you buy from the company and you you have your own website. If somebody places an order, let's say Sheikh Uthman wants to buy that for his wife, right? You would place that order. And what Don't I would give do is enter your shipping details, your name and everything to the Chinese company. So they would ship it to you directly. So there's no middleman. I'm not involved in this whatsoever. I'm just upsizing it and uppricing it from like ten cents to like maybe a hundred dollars. You know, that's what drop shipping is. Yeah, and if the I can, way you... go ahead. I just want to say that the from what I hear, the the mushaykh, some of them they say it's haram because there's a hadith I think where the Prophet said, "Don't sell what you don't own," and that in that case you don't own. Yes, it, so. yes, yeah, yeah. So, so the way you explained it, uh, Fayyad, would be halal. Right, because you bought the product from the company, the company just shipped it. So as long as it was your property, that would not that would be halal, right? Mm. But another way that it has been explained to me, and even though I knew how it works, I asked you how it works to make sure that's why I like to do that, is you don't actually buy the product. You make a deal with the company to hold a certain amount for you. You didn't pay them anything, then you take orders, and as you get orders. And as they ship, then you pay them. That would not be halal. Right? So the difference mm-hmm. between the two case scenarios is what you own and what you do not own. 
And and the hadith about hand to hand, I mean, people take it sometimes a little too literal, but the meaning of the hadith is you do not sell what you do not own, what you cannot give, right? Hmm. Because what happens is, let's say you make a deal with the Chinese company and now they're like, yes, go for it. And you take $100,000 worth of orders, mashallah, Fayyad's website's taken off. You tell the company to ship it. When they ship it, it ends out that the gold is really just uh, plastic covered with a spray paint, right? <laughs> or it's something wrong. Now, or they don't get shipped. They don't send them, right? The, the company disappears mm. overnight, right? Yeah. Now, you've taken money. And even if you were to return the money now, it gets to be a mess, right? Mm. Because now, let's say you took the order six months ago and somebody like, hey, you've been sitting on my money for six months. My money's worth more now than it was. You know, all this kind of mess. Get. And that's why the Sharia takes precautions not to put you in those situations. So if you own it, like you bought it from them, and you're sure that they will deliver everything hands of Allah, but to the best of your ability, you know the product to be correct. It's your property. Yes, you can sell it. And oh, they no. can deliver directly. But if you don't own it, like you just made a deal with them, and you don't know mm. about the product, you don't know... In the, enough about the company and you start selling under your name, then you're selling something you don't own that is not permissible. Okay. okay inshallah. Guys, we only have a few more minutes, maybe five, ten minutes maximum. So just going to get your last questions in. Uh, Sister Salihah writes, ruling on fasting during pregnancy and if they need to be made up, if unable to fast during that time, Jazakallah Sheikh, for keeping it a hundred. Good vibes. MashaAllah. May Allah bless us. She's from the UK. Um, it's definitely like 2 a, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. right now. Definitely. May Allah reward our brothers and sisters out there in mm -hmm. the UK. They're, they're the, the backbones of the da'wah, mashallah. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, Tayyib, uh, the ruling on fasting for the pregnant woman, she is allowed to fast and if she's able to fast. Allah never puts a burden upon anybody more than they can bear, right? This is, alhamdulillah, the, the mercy of Allah and then the uh, justice of the sharia. So if a woman is pregnant, but she feels good enough that she can fast and it's not going to harm her health or the baby's health. Let's say it's the first trimester or the second or so on. Then she can fast. No problem with that. And she should fast. Okay. If she is, uh, if she feels that she will, it, it will, it will be difficult for her, meaning it's not going to kill her. It's not going to kill the baby. It's not going to put her in the hospital, but it, it's, it's, she will feel weak and, and maybe she, the proper nutrition will not reach the baby. In that case, she has the permissibility not to fast. So it's jais for her not to fast, and she will make those days up after Ramadan. If it's going to kill the baby or the woman, like let's say she's diabetic, or I mean, I don't know if diabetic would be fasting, but um, let's say she has some other health complications where fasting will kill her or the baby or put their health to serious risk, then it would be haram for her to fast. Because Allah does not allow people to kill themselves. So looking at those situations. Now, the usual situation is that the woman is able to fast. So in mm. that case, she should. Later okay. on in the pregnancy, especially during third trimester or so on, um, it's very difficult to fast. So if it's that time and she's unable to fast, uh, then no problem with that. You leave off the fasting till after Ramadan and you make it up. And Barakallah Fiki, may Allah bless you for uh, encouraging me to keep it 100 because I get a lot of these, you know, oh, don't say this, don't say that, don't dress like this, blah, blah, blah. So it's always good to get some good encouragement. Alhamdulillah. 
All right, next question. Abu Bini Ras. I like this question. Sheikh, if a person spreads a bid'ah either in belief or action, thinking it's the correct interpretation of Islam, so they don't know, are they rewarded for their good intentions? No. And let me explain why. First and foremost, it is obligatory, fard, fardul ain, an individual obligation upon every Muslim to know the religion. Right? When Rasulullah sallallahu told us that knowledge is obligatory for every Muslim, what knowledge is that? Not, not every one of us has to know physics. Not every one of us has to be uh, a scientist. Not every one of us has to be a mathematician. Uh, contrary to Desi parents' belief, not every one of us has to be a doctor. Uh, right? So what knowledge... Rami got that one, right? Rami got it? I saw that small crack. All right. Um, <laughs> what knowledge is obligatory upon every Muslim is to know their religion know how to fulfill the obligations like salah and siyam in the correct manner. That's fard on us. So if you didn't take the time to learn it, and now you're promoting a bid'ah, you will be held accountable for that even if you didn't know this is bid'ah. Why? Because it was fard on you to learn right from wrong. Right? For you to... Why are you alive on earth? Just to make money and uh, sleep and eat? That uh, I mean... That's the animalistic life. Just procreate and eat and hunt or, you know, graze or whatever. No, you have a greater purpose. Huh? Allah mm-hmm. sponsor says, What a beautiful ayah. The one who created what? Death. Death. What is hayat? Life. Do you live first or die first? How long? Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. Powerful. Mm. Do you live first or die first? You live first. Mm. Oh man. If right now if Apis is watching this, he's gonna be like, ah got him. Contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> So we can see which one of you is best indeed. Allah Surah Mulk, we all read it. You know, the one who created death and life to see which one of you puts forth the best of deeds. Why is death mentioned before life? Because the tafsir of this ayah, and you can look in at Tabari or at Mikafir and so on, hmm. is the word maut, death here, refers to this life. Because mm. this life, mm. oh Rami just dropped a bomb on him man, right there, right? This life, this life was meant for death. You were meant to die. So it's called maut in the Quran. Al-Hayat in the Quran is referring here to the life of the hereafter because that one has no death. Right? You guys gotta make a clip for this Allah. Right? There's literally no point based on what you're saying to even refer to this dunya as life. And then after right. that is death, because all this dunya really is, then is death, and then the akhirah is just life. Exactly. This dunya is meant for death. Life here is terminal, right? Nobody's going to get out of this alive. <laughs> so <laughs> the hereafter now is meant for everlasting living. In al Jannah, may Allah make us from those, uh, or in al Nar, may Allah not make us from those. So that's why it's called life. There's no death there, right? Mm. So now, 
wasn't even the point I was making here, right? But this is Quran is so deep, right? Someday I want to teach tafsir like a full tafsir, like three, four years to go over the Quran, but inshallah. Inshallah. What does the Allah say after that? To see which one of you puts forth the best of deeds. Ahsanul Amala. The best of deeds. Not the most deeds, but the best. What are the best deeds? There are two conditions given by the Lema. One that has the most sincerity, ikhlas. Secondly, in accordance to the sunnah of the Prophet So for us to know what is the right way, not the bid'ah way, but the way of the sunnah, this is an obligation because that's what Allah created this life for, for you to worship Allah in that way. So no excuse for spreading bid'ah. If you're doing something you're not sure about, ask the people of knowledge. Look at the evidences. Easy, 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 easy. Mizan, I'm going to give you a scale right now. If you're doing something, whether it's an ibadah, not worldly life, not if you're you know working out in a gym or something, that, that has nothing to do with the religion, right? That that's adat or mubah, those things that are permissible, right? I'm talking about if you are praying a certain prayer on a certain day, uh, in a certain month, or if you are celebrating a certain celebration at a certain time of the year, easy ask, is it in the Quran first? If the answer is no, did the Prophet do it? If the answer is no, did the Sahaba do it? The Khulafa, if the answer is no, Allah says, get rid of it. Don't do it. Hmm. Easy. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Next question. And we're just going to do three more questions, guys. So uh, if you have anything else, uh, inshallah, it'll be next time. So how do we know the Quran is from God and why Islam is the one and only true religion? Why do we have to follow the hadith and do things exactly how Rasulullah did? And how do we know hadiths are true? I feel like it's this like is... four questions, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you a brief. And, it's a, uh, and I'm not trying to plug the channel here. I mean, alhamdulillah, we have enough subscribers. I don't even care. But uh, we have detailed videos on each one of these. So if you want detailed answers, there, there's a recent video about a guy who asked, like, prove the Quran is from Allah. And then alhamdulillah, he ends up take, becoming Muslim. So you can go see that, right? Um, and there's for each one of these that you mentioned. But let's take it one by one. So the first question is, how do we know the Quran is from Allah? Tayyib, a, a man named Muhammad, alayhi salatu salam, peace and blessings be upon him, who could not read or write, according to the consensus of the historians, he's unable to read or write who had never studied earlier scriptures, who had never studied science, who had never studied philosophy, who was not a poet. Amongst the Arab were great poets, he was not a poet. How could he bring forward a Quran like this, which no Arab poet could respond to? The challenge was put forward. Bring a book like it. Bring a chapter like it. Bring certain verses like it. They could not respond. How could that be? Okay, maybe he just got lucky in poetry. Okay. How could it have scientific facts that were impossible for a person in that time frame to have known? Maybe he guessed at one. Okay. How did he get repeatedly every answer right? Whether it's the orbits, whether it's of the planetary bodies, whether it's the mixing of salt and seawater, whether it's waves under the ocean. Every one of them he guessed and got right. Okay. How would he make prophecies of things to come like the, the, the victory between the Romans and Persians and uh, consistently get all of those right even in hadith mm. there's prophecies that are coming true in our time how could all of that come together how could he know about things in the past that he had no knowledge of where people would ask him and then Allah would reveal the answer about for example why was Musa salam in Misr in the beginning of the read tafsir of Surah Yusuf this was a question and he didn't know the answer then Allah revealed it to him right so putting all of this together we can say that this man 
could not have written or come up with the Quran. How could a man like that split the moon? Can you split the moon? I can't split the moon. There's a video I have that shows you uh, the the evidences for the moon splitting, and I think you guys did a reaction to it. Mashallah. Mm. After that, how can you doubt the Prophet of the Prophet, right? Mm. So putting all that together, we say no doubt the Quran is from Allah. First answer. Secondly, uh, what's the second? Why do we have to do things according to what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? The hadith, yeah. Tayyip. Why do we rely on hadith? So, so I'll take it, I think I'll take them out of order, which is why, first thing, why do we even have to follow the way of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Because Allah says in the Quran, Atiullah wa Rasuluh. Obey Allah and His Messenger. Mm. Atiullah wa Atiul Rasul. Repeatedly. Like I said, I found this in different uh, parts of the Quran. Sometimes like where it's connected, sometimes not, but more than 12 times in the Quran, Allah has ordered us to follow the Prophet So that's why we have to follow the Prophet because Allah ordained it. Thirdly, why do we have to follow hadith? Because how will today we obey the Prophet For example, if I say obey Allah, I don't, none of you get wahi. If any of you get wahi, I'm not going to be on a podcast with you guys anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Right? So none of us get wahi. None of us get revelation. Right? So that means how do we obey Allah? We obey the Quran, Kalamullah, the words of Allah. Tayyib, any of you physically meet the Prophet ﷺ, not in a dream, like regularly? If you claim you do, then I'm not doing podcasts with you. Kidding, right? So if, if none of us meet the Prophet ﷺ physically, how will we obey the Prophet? We'll obey the Sunnah. Tayyib, how will you know what the Sunnah is? Is it is documented, checked, and verified in what's called hadith literature. The last of it being that how do we even know that this is the thing that Prophet did? We have a whole science of checking a hadith, and I have series of lessons on it. But very briefly, we check the chain of narrators all the way back to the Prophet, how many people heard it, who they said it to, is there any variation, uh, how is the memory and reliability of each one of those narrators. No science gets checked to the level that hadith gets checked. I mean, I work in the med device industry, and I can tell you things that we put out there as peer-reviewed you know, medical journal entries do not get checked at the level of what, for example, a mutawatir hadith would be checked at. Mm, subhanallah. Sheikh, if I can jump in really quickly, uh, there's actually a, a verse in the Quran where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I have to, I'm going to say in English because I don't know the Arabic, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says they will never truly believe or they will never be true believers until they make you, referring to the Prophet, a judge. a judge between them and there's their disputes. And find no discontentment or no discomfort in your decision and submit for submission. And I think there's another ayah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he says, and I'm paraphrasing again, um, that we have sent to you the message so that you may explain it to them. So Alhamdulillah. It's very true. The, the adilla, the evidences for following the sunnah are many. Imam al-Shafi'i wrote a whole work on this. Uh, many imman ulama have written no doubt to them. Okay, next question. You don't, and there's only two left, so you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, because uh, it might might be a, a fitan. But... Go for it. All right, I'm not. I'm not even gonna read it, bro. Just if you don't want to. Okay, read it, read it, read it. I have a, I question. Have a question. Why are Why Muhammad, Muhammad Hijab and Ali Dawa publicly shaming other Muslims for their misdeeds? Um, I I know uh, Ali Dawa and I know Muhammad Hijab and I know Sajid and I know Farid and and I I. They're all my brothers in Islam. Um, what I am not going to do is uh, publicly now join a, a back and forth with people. What mm. I am doing 
is, and, and I have spoken to some of the brothers that are mentioned here uh, privately and given my nasiha, and I I'm I really am glad this question was asked because mm. I will say this. Um, I call on all of our brothers to privately talk it out. Um, all of us have mistakes. All of us have uh, shortcomings. And us going back and forth, making videos against each other is going to do nothing but make the enemies of Islam happy. Um, mm. We're all brothers. Everyone is at a different level of understanding. Um, uh, Sajid, mashallah, has studied Sharia. Mashallah, he has a graduate. Um, and Mashallah, yani, I believe all those brothers, uh, Ali, uh, Muhammad, Sajid, uh, and others uh, are all working towards a good cause. Um, some of our brothers are going to make mistakes, and I understand. And some of us are going to go about things the wrong way, and I understand. Uh, those of us that are viewing this, whether it is just a regular person on YouTube or people like myself that may personally know them, we should be making dua and trying to make sulh between our brothers and trying to guide our brothers to do things the right way, not flaming this fire. I have not made a video on it on purpose. Not that I couldn't have. It's not that, I mean, I would have got crazy amounts of views, but I didn't because I, I don't think it benefits the dawah. And what benefit are we getting from these videos back and forth? Hmm. Right? Salih I appreciate the, the encouragement. I thought, I thought I was going to get attacked for that. Ooh. Alhamdulillah. All right, last question. Uh, Brother Shafiqul writes, my question for the sheikh is, is leasing a car haram since money factor is involved or better way to put it is money factor haram when leasing a car? What's a money factor? I'm not really leasing sure, man. This. Leasing a car is not haram as long as no interest. Meaning like, let's say I come to you, Rami, and I say, hey, Rami, mashallah, when would you get that Bentley? Uh, you're the the Khalil.com must be doing better than I thought, and he's like, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to be using it because I'm traveling. You want to lease it from me? And I say, Okay, let me lease it from you. I'll pay you, uh, it's a Bentley, so I got to pay you a lot. All right, uh, 2000 a month. Is that cool, Ronnie? Mm. Can I borrow your Bentley? All right, so 2000 a month that's our deal, uh, and I'll have it for six months. Nothing wrong with that, but if leasing in includes riba, like meaning you say, Okay, uh, I'll let you lease it. For this much, but I'm going to charge you a percentage of, uh, you know, how, however you want to shape that riba. If there's riba involved, then it's not permissible. Mm. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Sheikh, Jazakallah khair. Someone's asking, when can we expect the next Q&A with Sheikh Uthman to be? What do you say? Inshallah, whenever you brothers uh, call me and, and my uh, uh, schedule managers <laughs> allow me, it's always my pleasure hanging out with you guys, man. I love you guys for the sake of Allah. I feel very comfortable with you guys, and I apologize if I get a little, uh, you know, off scripted. But that's just never, the way I am, never so. apologize for getting too real. Alhamdulillah. May Allah bless <laughs> you for your work, guys. If you made it this far, smash the like button. We're gonna end the stream, unfortunately. But until next time, and please look out for this reaction video we're gonna drop with Sheikh Uthman ibn Farooq on the whole hijab ban situation in India. We don't want to talk too much about it in this video, but inshallah, stay tuned with that. It's gonna come in the next few days, inshallah. Um, and we're going to record this right now after this live stream, inshallah. Smash the like button. Go follow One Message Foundation. Support their work. And Rami, do your thing, inshallah. Jazakallah khair, everyone. Jazakallah khair. Sheikh Uthman, for your realness, because this is the realest podcast in the dunya. And with that being said, Allahumma atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa kina adhaab al-nar. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.